it was just a really cool morning having the fire going and being in my barn and hearing the roosters crowing and hearing the goats bleeding and having all my kids around me. That was just so special. Hi, I'm Danielle. Welcome to the Birth Journeys podcast. It is my belief that our birth journey has a lasting impact that goes far beyond delivery. It is my hope that through these stories, you would find the insight, tools, and the courage to go on and have your own positive and empowering birth journey. Just as a reminder, any information you hear on this podcast is meant to inform and encourage you on your birth journey and not intended to replace advice from your medical professional. everybody welcome back to the birth journeys podcast today we have danny on and she's going to be sharing her stories with us thank you so much for coming on danny i can't wait to hear your stories i'm so excited to be here (laughs) so why don't you start out by just telling us a little bit about yourself all right so i'm a mother of four um i've had four home births i've been involved in the birth community for quite a while now at this point And I am really passionate about everything home birth, homesteading, homeschooling, all of the above, everything about Mm. living a natural life and working towards self-sustainability. Awesome. So where would you say that your birth journey begins? What does that look like for you in your life? Um, Mine actually started before most people's did. I have been fascinated since I was a little kid and learned how it all worked. My my grandfather was a rancher, so I watched him breed his animals, and I've been completely enthralled with it since a kid. When I was 12, I started researching home birth, and that's when I decided that whenever I ended up having babies, I was going to have them at home. And Wow. 11 years after that decision, I finally had my first home birth. So, <laughs> Wow, that's really cool. a little bit different Did yeah, did you have anybody in your life that was um, that did home birth, or was it just something that you know you were just kind of called to at that age? Not really. I mean, I have great grandparents that obviously had home births because yeah, hospital birth is actually a relatively new idea. So I do have people, mm-hmm. but no one I was very close to. It's just I am not fond of hospitals. I have a traumatic event that unfortunately had. A little bit of trauma to it. I had to be held down by multiple medical professionals for a procedure. Mm -hmm. And obviously, even if it's a good procedure, it did not leave a good impression. So I just didn't feel safe in a hospital setting unless there was a need for it. So I decided that as long as everything stayed smooth and low risk, I was going to stay home. Mm, Awesome. I love that. I mean, I don't love that you had that experience, but I love that you, you know, you had that. No, it was when I was really young. Honestly, I don't even remember the details of it. I just get really anxious around medical professionals without an obvious need. Mm. So it's like, I'm just going to stay home. I feel safer there and it's totally fine. Yeah. (laughs) Um, So where did your... um first pregnancy actually begin what does that look like so I was 23 when I had my first he's seven years old now and I decided to take the Bradley method childbirth class which just solidified my decision to have a home birth 
my OB, I told her I was pregnant and she told me me and my baby were 100% going to die if I had a home birth. <sighs> so I never went back to see her again. Hired a midwife who was amazing. We had all my prenatals in her house and everything just went super smooth. I felt comfortable. My husband felt comfortable. We hired a huge birth team. So we had, I think, 14 people there at my first birth. Wow. Um, which is fun. <laughs> I love, it's a, it's a running joke with all the midwives in my area that I throw birth parties. I don't just oh, have funny. births. I have parties, which is just my personality. Um, but yeah, I hired a midwife and he was born seven years ago at home with the most idealistic birth I could even imagine. Wow. So where do you want to share anything about that pregnancy or do you just want to go right into the labor story? Um, there's not really anything special to share about the pregnancy. It went pretty smooth. I didn't have any complications. Um, we did zero ultrasounds with his pregnancy. We just did the Doppler every here and again for the heartbeat, which I prefer to not even do that nowadays, but I did for my first pregnancy. And there was no complications at all. Everything was as smooth as possible. There's normal general discomforts that come with pregnancy and morning sickness and achy pains and all that jazz. But honestly, there, there was just nothing that sticks out about his pregnancy at all beyond the fact, fun fact, I had to tell someone I was pregnant three hours before labor started oh. because I carried so far back, no one could even tell I was pregnant. Oh, wow. It was <laughs> I just looked like I had a little bit of a tummy, but yeah, three hours before labor started and someone was like, oh, when are you due? And after I had just told her I was pregnant, she's like, I was like, oh, like three days ago. <laughs> now. Oh, <laughs> so, that's funny. Um, but yeah, I, when I did go into labor with him, it was an afternoon like around two or three in the afternoon. And I was actually able to ignore it for about 12 hours. Wow. I just went about my life. I was still kind of timing them and paying attention, but trying to deny as much as possible. Cause that's what everyone says, deny until you can't anymore. So I drove to get my husband's work. We went to Bible study. We went home, we had dinner, we had all the different things. We just kept going on with life. And it was around four in the morning that I rolled over and had a really strong contraction and I was literally beating my husband because it was such an intense contraction and I couldn't speak through it. Mm -hmm. So I just rolled over and was beating him in the knee, trying to get him to wake up and pay attention because something was happening. Um, wow. So once I realized that it was actually the real thing, I tried to walk, I tried to drink, I took a bath, just tried to get everything to sleep. <coughs> to slow down so I could focus more and not get super excited and panicked. Um, I let my midwife know which she was at her day job actually that day. So there was a little bit of a hiccup in the plan there. Um, called my doula, called the birth photographer and called all my family and friends. My parents lived two hours away. So I had to make sure that my mom was able to come up. But I labored most of that morning and it was totally fine. We walked around, we stayed and labored on the couch some. I did some uneven walking where you have one leg on a curb and one leg on the road just to get your pelvis switching around. 
And it was really smooth. My birth team arrived just after lunchtime. I forget exactly when. And she's like, oh, this baby's not going to be born today. He's going to be born, like, maybe middle of the night tomorrow morning. It's fine. And he came, like, two hours after she got there. (laughs) So (laughs) she was completely wrong. He, I only pushed for 40 minutes, which is pretty fast for a first-time mother. Yeah. And he just came flying out in two pushes. We were team green, so it was a really fun moment holding him up to announce that he was a boy. And we didn't have a name picked out until after he was born, so we had that whole, what's his name? And we're like, we don't know. (laughs) (laughs) We had no idea. We weren't lying when we didn't say there was a name. (laughs) So everybody had to just back off for a bit while we discussed. And picked out a name for him. But yeah, it was smooth as possible. We did have a little bit of an issue after the birth. Because now I know it's just my body and it's a pattern. But my body likes to lose all the postpartum blood within about five minutes. And then it mostly stops about ten minutes after birth. And my midwife didn't know that. So in her mind, it was, I'm hemorrhaging. And really, it's just the way my body works, because I've done it four times, and every single time, that is how it goes. So I did get a shot of Pitocin in my thigh, and we prayed out loud in the name of Jesus, the blood is going to stop, we're going to be okay, and we don't need to transfer. And it did. Within 30 seconds of saying that prayer, the bleeding stopped, and everything was fine. So we get to rest and relax in the bed, and just enjoy our family that was the best part (laughs) it's just (laughs) it being done and getting to lay down and rest yeah wow so kind of backtracking just a little bit when you were deciding to choose a midwife how did you kind of go about that process I mean I guess if you were already in the birth world did you already kind of have an idea or did you kind of Um, search around and interview different ones or what did that process look like so I I was not in the birth in the birth field professionally. I was very active in the birth community as mm-hmm. far as education and peer information, but I didn't have any professional connection at that point. So I reached out. My first thing was asking for referrals. I would much rather have someone say, "Hey, I had a good experience," than just Google a random name and go with it. Mm-hmm. Um, so I got some referrals. I pulled up four or five midwives. The first one I messaged, she was on sabbatical, but she had a whole lot of information. So she gave me some even more names. I think I interviewed four midwives for that birth. And I just picked the one that as I felt safest with. Um, yeah. Which she was great. I had no complaints about her during the whole pregnancy but yeah, I just, when the midwife I hired, we met and did her our consultation at her house. I walked in, it was homey. Her kids were there, which they were like preteen teenagers, but I still loved seeing the family. She had worship music playing and oils diffusing. And it was just that piece of, yes, this is a person I can visualize at my birth. And I feel safe mm. with her and I feel like she's just going to take a good good care of our family and she had good information. So that's how I yeah. picked her. What kind of midwife was she as, as far as like, was she a licensed midwife um, or an unlicensed midwife? 
Yeah, so um, both of my midwives I had that attended my birth were licensed midwife. She is actually a, she works in the labor and delivery at the hospital as well, mm-hmm. which helps my husband and my mother-in-law feel a little bit more comfortable. That did I didn't care. But it helped yeah. them feel more comfortable, so therefore it took the weight off of me. And she was just super sweet. And that was one of the issues with the labor is because she had to convince her employers to let her leave so she could come mm. to my birth <laughs> because Aww. she w- if she had had to finish her shift she would have missed my birth yeah so i'm very wow. grateful that her shift leaders allowed her to go yeah that's cool i don't know if i've actually heard of a um hospital midwife also doing home birth i think that's the first so she, she's a nurse at a hospital she's not a midwife oh a nurse oh okay i see um, okay but she is not a nurse midwife so her rn and her midwifery license are completely separate so she can't practice as a nurse midwife she's only a licensed midwife but in the medical field she can do nursing type information so it was it was very different she's a very special person yeah sounds like it i like that cool um so how about um your second birth So my second birth was 17 and a half months after my first. So they were pretty close together. Mm. Um, I had nursed through the whole pregnancy. So my toddler was glued to me half the time anyways. (laughs) And for that birth, I actually hired my previous midwife's assistant as the primary midwife. She was still an apprentice at my birth, but I hired her to be the primary midwife for the second. And she was fantastic for the entire birthing process. Um, but that birth, oh, I was so exhausted. It was 40 weeks and three days with her, I think. Yeah. 40 weeks and two days for the first, 40 weeks and three days for the second. And I was just done. I had been done for weeks. I had been contracting for weeks. And so on a Sunday morning I woke up and I'm like, there's contractions. I'm going to go with it. (laughs) So we, we ended up going to church and while we were and while we were there for the sermon, I was like, let's not sit up front. We need to sit in the back because just in case I have to leave, if things get more intense, I want to be able to go without interrupting anyone. And so they actually gave us a whole separate row in the far back in the actual auditorium so we could still see, but we wouldn't interrupt anyone. And every time I sat down, my contractions would space back out like 12, 16 minutes apart. And I was like, no, I'm done. <laughs> I need this baby out of me. So I spent the entire service pacing back and forth in the auditorium watching the sermon. And every time there was a point that I liked, I'd stop at one of the tables, write it down on my little bulletin, and then I'd keep pacing. And I had about seven or eight volunteers. Are you okay? Yeah, I'm just in labor. It's fine. (laughs) I paced the entire time because I was just not ready to be pregnant anymore. Um, But Mm. I got through the whole sermon, and there was no issues. It just kept regular. It didn't speed up, didn't get more intense. They just kept going as they were going. So we got to go out to lunch, and then I got home. I'm like, okay, walking worked. So we're going to keep walking because every time I sit, they get further apart, and I'm not going to do that. So we went on a, like, two-and-a-half-mile walk, and that's when it really kicked up. By the time we got through that walk, I was double-peaking contractions. So, like, it wouldn't even fully release before it would build back up again. 
Um, I was either having to hold onto a tree or my husband during the contractions because I had a hard time supporting my weight. And I was very close to calling someone to come pick us up, but it wasn't an easy spot to just say, oh, I'm at this street because it was like a little neighborhood wooded path. So I was behind people's houses. I didn't know how to tell people where I was without walking through someone's yard. So we powered through it. We got all the way home. <laughs> and everyone's like, okay, now we can really set this up. So we called midwives. We got the birth pool set up. My mom braided my hair. And then when my midwife got there, I'm actually the one that answered the door. And she's like, oh, you're still early. It's fine. You've got ages to go. There's no way you're functioning like this. And you're about to have a baby right now. Yeah. No, she was again born less than two hours later. <laughs> oh, um, wow. But very soon after my midwife got there, I got in the pool. I think I was in the pool less than an hour because she start, I started pushing and it was less, I think it was two pushes, three pushes, less than eight minutes that I went from, I said, I'm pushing, which I had fetal ejection reflex. I prefer to wait until fetal ejection rather than pushing on my own. Um, so from my first uncontrollable push to her out was 10 minutes. And then from that to my placenta out was another 10 minutes. And all of that happened in the birth pool. Mm. So wow. <laughs> she was a wild wow. ride. And she's <laughs> actually the only baby I caught out of all four of them. Mm. My first one, my son, or my first one, I got his head out while I was kneeling, but I went to all fours to get his shoulders out. So my husband caught him. And then with my daughter, I was able to stay crouched. So I was able to catch her. And that was super special. <laughs> I have yeah. yet to do that again. <laughs> so but... then you had the same, like, re release of blood then that you yeah. The first time. So I had a huge squirt of blood. The water turned really dark red, which is always concerning for midwives. So she was like, we need to get out of the water because I can't see anything. There's too much blood in the water. And basically by the time I got out of the pool, the bleeding had stopped because it had been about 15 minutes or so. So what looked like a hemorrhage in the water really wasn't a hemorrhage. It was just my placenta coming out and then it just got so dark and murky that everything was fine. Wow. Um, we were team green with her as well. And we also didn't have a name, but as soon as my husband and I looked at each other, we were like, we know her name. Like there's mm -hmm. just no, no arguing. And we were on the exact same page. Wow. Both of us had the exact same name in mind. So that was really special. Yeah. That's cool. So do you, do you um, purposely not pick a name before birth or like, like, do you wait to like meet the baby to pick a name or did you just have, you just we have a running, one we have a running list. So we have okay. a running list that's eight years old now. We started it with my first and then every time we get pregnant, we'll go through the list, be like, do you still like this name? Do you hate this name? No. Yes. Okay, cool. But we always have about 20 names on the list. And yeah. we'll kind of narrow it down. Which ones are my favorite? Which ones are your favorite? We pick top threes each. But for all four births, it was an immediate. We both agree there was absolutely no debate on it. That's mm, that's their that's name. That's cool. So yeah. it was really special. So you, so you just kind of have the top three then. And then 
when the baby's born, it kind of just oh. sticks out at There's you. There's about versus... 20 on the list. So it's about 10 to oh, 12 okay. boy and 10 to 12 girls. But out of those 10 to 12, we'll each pick our top three just so we know where the other one is. But there's oh, okay. no, like, we don't feel like we can actually choose this is definitely going to be the name until yeah. we meet our baby. Hmm. And all of them have been named within the hour. It's been really interesting. Yeah. <laughs> I like that. Seeing them I, and knowing, okay. Yeah, I feel like for, uh, probably just for myself, but, like, I put so much pressure on, like, picking a name before my baby is born. And, like, even now I'm due in February and we're just like, you know, the, the naming thing just feels so stressful to me. And I'm always like, ah, like we got to pick a name. We got to pick a name. But I like the idea of just kind of like not having the pressure of having a name picked out and then kind of deciding once the baby's here. Like, I think that's a really neat idea. (laughs) That's really cool. I love it. So this last baby, she, my, my youngest is seven months old, so she's still pretty young. And for her, I was like 38, 39 weeks pregnant. And I was like, babe, we haven't even talked about names. (laughs) We should, we should talk about that. Where's the list? Oh my gosh. I have to find the list. I don't know where the list is. (laughs) So I had to go dig through stuff because we just moved last year. I had to go dig through boxes and try to find our list of names so we could go through it. That's funny. But we did. We did. It yeah. only took like 20 minutes. We're like, yeah, we still like that name. Yeah, we still like that name. Eh, I don't know about that one anymore. And we just fixed up the list and that was it. It was really low stress. Kind of a funny running joke for us at this point. Yeah, that's cool. So anyways, back to um, your birth story. <laughs> um, how was your immediate postpartum with your second birth? Um, her immediate postpartum was really wonderful. Hers was a lot smoother than the first because my first child, we had that little issue with postpartum bleeding and my dad already had 911 pulled up on his phone. I'm like, no, don't call it. Do not call it. (laughs) I will kick them out. But for my second, there was none of that. I was just able to get out of the tub and they helped me walk over to the bed, got a nice chucks pad on the bed so I didn't make a mess, helped me up, and then I just got to lay down. Um, my son was nursing through the whole pregnancy, so he actually latched onto me first before my daughter did postpartum. And I have a picture of that moment, which is one of my favorite pictures ever, where he's mm-hmm. nursing in front of her and she's just looking around like, what do I do now? Um, but yeah it was just really relaxing and my mom made tacos and so I had my whole birth team there it was like 11 people at that birth and she's like dinner's ready I'm like make me a plate I'm so hungry (laughs) um her labor ended up being around 18 hours I think so a little bit shorter probably just because I kept walking until I couldn't walk anymore yeah so did you have to get another shot of Pitocin this time or did you not? No, I'm, I have not had any Pitocin at all since that one shot for any of my births. That's good. So yeah. I, I've been able to avoid that. And honestly, that's my only regret for my first birth is that, is that I, I gave in for the Pitocin shot. But I was given the choice, either I call an ambulance or you take the shot. And mm-hmm. I picked the lesser of evils because I was not going to get in an ambulance. Yeah. 
So I took the shot and I decided that that was the right choice, but I really wish I had said, let's just wait five minutes because Mm -hmm. everything would have been fine. Yeah. Yeah. No, I had nothing, no issues. The placenta came out on us. I think it was attached to her for like two or three hours before we did anything about it. Um, it was just a really smooth, low key birth. And I think before everyone, if I remember correctly for her birth, before everyone left, they all went out in the kitchen, started eating and they just left me in the bedroom with a baby. And I'm like, yo, I'm, I'm like the focus point here. (laughs) So I got up out of bed and I walked into the living room, like, excuse you, (laughs) someone put a towel down on my chair. I'm going to sit in here and talk to you. But yeah, oh, I was really like, wait, I, I just had a baby less than an hour ago. I know some people like being left alone, but I am not that person. <laughs> if y'all are talking in the other room, I want to be part of the conversation. Yeah. But yeah that, was that was fun. Especially when everyone jumped up freaking out that I was walking. It's fine. Yeah. It's fine. <laughs> Get back in bed. <laughs> oh, funny. Do you have anything else from so, that second birth you want to share or? Well, I think, I think that's most of her birth because her birth, her, I mean, everything in her pregnancy was really smooth, just like my first. And most of her labor was smooth beyond it just going slow and wanting it to pick up. So I'm the one that created all the drama. There wasn't any uncontrollable drama there. <laughs> yeah. And again, I'm guessing you didn't do any ultrasounds yeah. or anything. I actually did one ultrasound for her purely because, um, I needed some blood work done in the beginning and they did not want to, the OB office, I only saw them for the one appointment. The OB office did not want to write down the date that I told them was correct. Mm -hmm. And they wanted to go based on menstrual cycle and not ovulation. And I'm like, guys, I know the exact time and day that she was conceived. Yeah. Don't tell me that I have to go by your day. <laughs> and actually I'm really glad I did because that's also the midwife's model of care is going by last menstrual. And I would have risked out of home birth had oh, I not wow. done that dating ultrasound mm-hmm. because I, my dating scan was 12 days off. So that wow. extra 12 days would have put me at 42 weeks, one day. Oh, yeah. Which would have been illegal in our state for a midwife to knowingly attend. So yeah. I'm glad I did that. And that's the reason I did that was because I knew the dates were going to be off. And I wanted to make sure that we wouldn't risk out of care. Mm-hmm. Because I just knew I was going to go over for her. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, I've had but that a couple times where I knew thing. that my ovulation date wasn't going to line up with my LMP. And yeah, it's like crazy that they won't listen to you or like believe you the midwives were like it's fine it's based on math i'm like no it's based on a 28 day ovulation cycle and mine have been 42 days and i know when i ovulated and i know when i conceived listen to me and then i got to laugh in their face afterwards i'm like ha i was right (laughs) yeah yep totally so but that was it. That was the only one. Mm-hmm. Um, my third was a lot more complicated. I actually had two ultrasounds with him. 
because we did have issues during his pregnancy. He's the only pregnancy I ever had any complications with. And he was a very unplanned pregnancy. I actually chose to have a wild pregnancy with him, which means I chose not to hire any midwives or OB. I was going to do my own prenatal care. And that was totally fine until I started bleeding around six weeks. And I was like, oh, that's mm. that's concerning, but it's not heavy. So we'll just watch and move along. Well, I kept bleeding and I kept bleeding and I kept bleeding. And I was like, oh, it usually stops around like 12 weeks when it's just a small thing. It didn't stop. So around six weeks, I sought the care of my last midwife and went to her office and she did a Doppler and we heard the heartbeat for the first time. And I was like, okay, there's a heartbeat. We're okay. We're growing on point. We feel baby moving. Like everything's okay. So we'll wait a little bit longer. And then around 18 weeks, I was like, okay, I'm still bleeding. I think I need to go in for an ultrasound because I don't know if it's previa. I don't know if there's an issue with the placenta. I don't know what's going on, but I'm still bleeding and you shouldn't be bleeding at 18 weeks pregnant. Not mm. every single day. It wasn't heavy, but it was still every single day. Yeah. So we went, I went to my, my primary care doctor and she referred me to the high risk because no one would take me on as a client. They're like, you're too far along. You're too far along. We can't take you as a client. You're too far along and have had zero prenatal care. I'm like, wow. well, I can't get prenatal care because you won't give me any. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> so she finally got me into a high risk provider. We went into their office and they checked everything. We did. They ended up doing a full anatomy scan because it was 18 weeks. So I was within that window. And there's a couple little minor things, but the big thing they found was a subchronic hematoma, which is like a bubble of blood underneath the placenta wall. And that was just leaking ever so slightly. It wasn't massive, but it was significant enough that they wanted to watch it. So we went home. Okay, baby's fine. Everything looks great with a baby. The only issue is this subchronic hematoma. So we talked about it and we're like, we still don't want to seek prenatal care. We're going to come back in six weeks, have another ultrasound, as long as it doesn't get worse. Obviously, we'll call if it gets worse. And we went back in at 24 weeks. And at that point, I was still bleeding, but it was only spots. It was very, very slight. And they were like, the subchronic hematoma is still there, but barely. So mm. it's resolving itself. The placenta's up. The baby's fine. We're all good. We're going to recommend we discontinue care here and you continue care at your normal OB. Well, that's fine. Um, they also told me that I was measuring very far ahead and that I should probably get induced at 37 weeks because my baby's going to be too big and there's no way I could give birth to him. Hmm. I quite literally laughed in her face <laughs> yeah. when she said that. Uh, that's like, the classic line. <laughs> like snort laugh in her face and looked at my husband and he just rolled his eyes. I'm like, yeah, I'm just going to have a 15 pound baby then. Because I'm not getting <laughs> induced at 37 weeks. That's fine. Yeah. I can fit a 15-pound baby out. That's, that's totally fine. So she looked at me like I was crazy, and I thought it was hilarious. But that was the last appointment we had for him. So all we had was that one appointment with the midwife for Doppler and then those two ultrasound appointments. And they did try saying that I had... Um, prenatal diabetes 
goodness, I can't think of it right now. Gestational, gestational diabetes. diabetes. <laughs> yeah. Like, what's the word? <laughs> um, they did try telling me I had that. And so he was like, right now, I just recommend diet. Um, we recommend you take the test. I'm like, I don't need to take the test. I'm taking my blood sugar right now every day because I've had a few extra symptoms. So, like, I see my numbers. I don't need to take the extra test. My numbers are more accurate. Um, which they did reflect a little bit. It wasn't severe, but it was enough to watch and try to keep diet under control. Um, but we ended up not even doing anything with that beyond diet. I didn't need any medications. I didn't need any interventions. Um, I got the whole shebang handed to me about big babies and shoulder dystocia and gestational diabetes means you're just going to have this massive child. I'm like, okay, I'm going to have a massive child. <laughs> and <laughs> sure. Um, we continued the pregnancy, didn't see anyone which was so much less stressful for me, not having to worry about that constant reminder of these are the things that could go wrong because this is what's already happened. Mm-hmm. Um, I already had his date that he was going to get born pulled out and I knew what day he was going to be born and I knew, and then we got to that day. And I'm like, this is the day I'm going to go into labor and he's going to be born. And that night I was standing in the cul-de-sac screaming at the full moon because I still wasn't in labor. <laughs> <laughs> I was so angry. <laughs> but I ended up being pregnant for another six days beyond that, which was very, very stressful. So he was born middle of April um, on a weird moon cycle. I was betting on that full moon, but no, he was not. He was mm-hmm. quite comfortable. I I couldn't go. I couldn't go into labor. Like everything just felt wrong and misplaced and out of out of whack so I ended up going to the chiropractor twice that last week and the first time I went and it was fine and then the next day I was like nope it's back crap so I made another appointment about three days later went to the chiropractor and I was like just make him come out I'm 41 weeks three days I am done I want him out of me (laughs) so she did she did a full body release a pelvic release which the pubic bone does not feel good during the adjustment, but it feels wonderful when it's done. Um, they did round ligament massages, and then I went into the bathroom, and I lost my my mucus plug and had a huge bloody show right there in the chiropractor. Wow. So that was really exciting because I got to come out, and I was like, I lost my mucus plug. And then I looked, <laughs> and there's a guy on the table, and I'm like, sorry, dude. I mean, I'm just excited, and there's blood <laughs> everywhere. Yay. <laughs> <laughs> It's funny. So, yeah, that was right around lunchtime. It was like 1230. And my mom was with me at the chiropractor because she's like, you're so pregnant. Like, I don't want you to go in labor and be driving and then not be able to drive back because <laughs> my chiropractor is a pretty decent drive. So she drove me all the way there. And I'm really glad about it because I did go into labor at the chiropractor. She drove me all the way home. Wow. <laughs> and we got... I labored for a while at home, so that was around 12.30. He wasn't born until 11.11 that night, so we got home, we had lunch, um, and then I felt like, like, you know, I felt like a stereotypical birther at that point, like the little cat that wants to hide in a dark, quiet closet away from everyone else, and Mm -hmm. I had never experienced that before, because with my other births, I wanted to be surrounded, 
And I still wanted people there. I just wanted them to not be in the room with me. So Mm -hmm. I called everybody and everybody a few hours before he was born, everybody was here, but they mostly stayed out in the living room. My mom and my mother-in-law or no, my mother-in-law did not come to this birth because it was a month after COVID happened and she didn't want me and my baby to die. So she didn't make it to this birth. But my mom was there. She kept the older two entertained out in the living room because I just didn't, I couldn't be around the noise. For some reason, noise triggered me a lot during that labor. So even my husband left. Like, I was just like, just go do things and I will scream when I need you. (laughs) (laughs) So I stayed in bed for five or six hours and just labored through it. It was a very uncomfortable labor. Really uncomfortable. It was by far my hardest out of all four of them Mm. um something was still not right I knew it wasn't like an emergency something but I was like he's positioned wrong or my pelvis is wrong but something is grinding and not moving how it should so I just labored and labored and labored and it wasn't until five or six in the afternoon that I was like okay I think we need the pool to get set up now because we've, I've got to do something. It's just hurting, and I don't want to get in the pool too early because I don't want to slow down, but I need the relief of the water. All four of my babies were born in the water, by the way. Um, so they started getting the pool set up. I just stayed on my bed, just kind of curled up and tried to relax as much as I could, ride the waves. Um, once they got the pool set up, we found out that the pool had a leak. That was fun. Oh, no. <laughs> So it wasn't a leak as in water coming out. It was a leak as in air going into the tub, like into the water. The the Mm -hmm. air from the pool was going into the water. So we saw the little bubbles and we're like, oh, crap. We got to figure that out because it's just going to (laughs) collapse if we don't do something. So we got the duct tape. And we duct tape a big old X on the bottom of the pool where the air was coming out. And I was like, X marks the spot. Here we go. (laughs) I got in the pool when it was only about two or three inches of water. And even that helped. It was so severe. It was so uncomfortable. Um, That birth I actually live streamed in a birthing group on Facebook. So the entire birth is live streamed and it's on YouTube. Wow. That's Um, cool. Unedited, like the whole thing. I didn't, I never shortened it down. It's about four hours of labor. Um, but that was really nice. So I, we set up my birth pool in a different spot because we had rearranged the room since the first two. And we actually set it up right in front of my computer because I wanted to be able to read the comments and see that encouragement. I know I love watching birth videos, especially live streamed. It's my favorite. I love watching live stream birth <laughs> videos. Um, and just seeing the encouragement, you've got this, let's go. That was really, really nice. So I used that during the labor that I still had the presence of mind. I used those comments as encouragement. Um, but it was just really intense. I tried positions. I tried on my side. I tried kneeling. I tried reclining. Nothing worked except for having my husband pour for like four hours straight, constant water over my stomach. 
Um, and then me actually physically holding my stomach up. So I had both of my hands wrapped around the bottom of my belly, right at my pubic bone and lifted my stomach during every single contraction when it got to the end. So it was a lot of work. Um, Mm -hmm. both of my older kids ended up getting in the birth tub with me at some point and they were in there probably for two hours for my daughter and then I had to kick her out because she kept trying to swim and I was like this isn't swim time (laughs) you can be here (laughs) but I can't have you swimming and kicking me while I'm contracting (laughs) so she got kicked out and then my son actually stayed in the tub all the way through until transition um one of my biggest memories from that birth is we had an electric brownout in my house so all the electric all the electricity in the house shut off and came right back on, including my computer that was live streaming that I was very set on having my computer live streaming. So I was in transition, double peaking and those 30 second windows and between contractions, I was setting up my computer again because no one else in the room knew how to do it. And that set all this up before everything, and I just had it open, so all I had to do was press start, and then that's all just gone, and I have to do it all over again. So (laughs) that was really difficult. I remember making a Bill Gates joke during that time. I don't remember what exactly it was, but it's on it's on video, so I could pull it up and look at it. (laughs) Um. Yeah, I was cursing Microsoft window at that moment, but I finally got it up and then it was less than an hour after that, that I started like screaming. I'm always a quiet birther. Like I can talk through everything. I don't have any issues communicating what's going on during birth, but that was my one birth out. I was like toning out. I can't, I can't do anything I can't comp I can't communicate I can't think of words I can't function right now I just need y'all to just shush and be silent you can be here just be silent um but I started screaming through contractions I had a few contractions that I felt like I was going to explode and I hollered and that's when my son got scared he was only five And he told me that he wanted to catch the baby. So we were super encouraged. I was going to let him catch. And he was in the tub with me and he got out. He got so scared. He wouldn't come back in the tub again. (laughs) And that was when I finally started pushing. I never got, I never felt my water break with that one. Um, Both of my other labors, my water broke spontaneously at the first push. Um, But this one, I never felt my water break, but I did see like little spurts of discoloration so I think I had a small leak um but he oh gosh he was a mess that child he did not want to come down so I pushed for a while I don't even know how long it was over it was my longest pushing it was over 45 minutes I think it was over an hour but he would not move no matter how I pushed no matter what I did I tried all the different positions And it wasn't until I pushed while holding my stomach up that I think he finally was able to slip past my pubic bone. Mm. And once that happened, like he was out in one push, he was just held up by something anatomically. I have no idea what it was. 
I'm guessing he was caught on my pubic bone and just couldn't descend. But once I got him shaken loose, he came flying out like a rocket ship. And he came out with me crouched right over that X in my birth pool. <laughs> so I have pictures of me right over that X with him coming out. That's funny. And I just love it. I love it so much. Um, but yeah, his birth was his birth was rough. And then my mom on her birth high, as she always gets from my birth, she's like, don't you want to do that again? I was like, um, <laughs> ask me in a few weeks. Because <laughs> well, I can't answer that right now. Um, my, my best friend is actually training to be a midwife. She's, she's still training to be a midwife. Few years, he's two years old now. So two years later. So she couldn't attend my birth because it was unattended. And licensing issues, which was fine. She was watching the live stream and she showed up 20 minutes after he was born. She's like, I, I ran to the car as soon as I saw he was out. And so she came and she did a little newborn exam and checked him and checked Aww. me, which I thought was really That's special. Cool. It wasn't necessary. Yeah. I wouldn't have asked her to do it, but I thought it was really special that she came, even though I wasn't going to ask her to. Um, But yeah, everything was really smooth. I had a friend at that birth that she was super pregnant with her first. I think she was due six weeks after me. And I've had a pregnant person at every single one of my births. <laughs> um, and she, she was going to have her first baby at home. And so that was just really exciting to be able to share that birth with her and have her in the room, which she's had two home births since now. Um, but yeah, it, his birth was his birth was hard. I it took me a while to get my body to realize it's over. Like baby's out. I didn't have that immediate sense of release or that wash of oxytocin. I didn't have any of that after him. It was just complete disbelief, what's going on, confusion. I don't know what to do or how to do it. And it wasn't until about twenty minutes after he was born that I was like, Okay. <laughs> I'm back to myself. It's okay. We know what's going on. But once everything calmed down, it was really smooth and special being in the bed and everyone else got to clean up and I just got to snuggle a baby. Hmm. Um, we did a cord burning for him. That was different from the other two. The other two, we just cut the cord like normal. But we did fire to detach his cord. So that was really fun and special. Um. I really enjoy the, the ceremony of that, not rushing to separate him from the placenta, but letting it go naturally. Plus, it cauterizes it, so less risk of infection. Hmm. Um, but yeah, he he was a stubborn child. He he was really interesting, because I actually had a name picked out for him. And I was like, this is, this is going to be his name. This is my favorite name. And then as soon as he popped out, I was like, that is so not your name. Absolutely not your name. I'm so oh, glad we did funny. not tell anyone that name. And my husband and I were again on the same page. He looked at me and he said the name, and I was like, "Yep, that's it," because it's certainly not that other one. <laughs> but hmm. yeah, he's a awesome. feisty, fiery little child now. <laughs> Two and a half years later. Yeah. Oh my goodness, his birth was was rough. I was actually really scared when my last birth, hoping that it wouldn't be 
as intense because his birth was 11 hours. So it was by far the fastest birth mm-hmm. up to that point. Um, so I don't know if it's just so intense because it was shortened or if it was just him being special like he is. Yeah. So how big did um, he end up being? Yeah. He was eight pounds, 10 ounces. He was my so biggest, not, ba- he's still 15. my biggest baby. My fourth... <laughs> no, he's hmm. still my biggest baby. He was eight pounds, 10 ounces. And he had a very fat head. He had a very tiny lean body, but he had a massive head. So, I mean, <laughs> yeah, I, I see it, but it wasn't his chunk that was the issue. It's his big old head. Yeah. <laughs> not wanting to come out. Yeah. Yeah, I was so, I was very grateful when he finally came out. It was a miserable pregnancy, and I had a lot of mental and emotional and sensory issues that immediately disappeared the second he came out. Hmm. So that was actually really fascinating, the psychology of it, because I had so much anxiety and so much worry and just hyperfixation going on. And then as soon as he was out, I was totally back to normal. No issues whatsoever. What do you think that was from? Do you think it was from your first, you know, wild, unassisted pregnancy or from the things that the high-risk people told you? Or do you have any kind of insight to why you may have felt that way? I think it was honestly my instinct of he's not positioned right. Like, Mm. because I knew the whole time something's not right it's not emergency no one's in danger but something's not how it should be and I knew that I knew that my whole pregnancy even with just the minor bleeding I was like I never I never felt like I was in danger I never felt something's wrong we need to seek help like we got to go to the hospital now I never had that I just knew that something was not as it should be And I think that was just the instinct. And once he came out, everything was as it should be. So I was able to release that. But I Mm -hmm. never could pinpoint what that was until he came out. And then I was like, oh, I was holding up my stomach for the last five hours. I guess that makes sense (laughs) that he just wasn't in the right position. Yeah. Wow. But it didn't click when I was holding my stomach. It only clicked after he was born. Uh Uh-huh. So. Yeah, it always amazes me. I had no idea why I was doing it. Yeah, I was just going to say, it always amazes me how, like, I feel like I hear it mostly specifically in in free birth stories where just that mom instinct is so strong and so there. Like, how God just put that in us to, like, somehow know what to do, even if we don't even we didn't know what to do, you know, like it's just such a cool aspect of his design in our bodies and like in birth, um, that I just, it just blows me away that, you know, he thought of everything. (laughs) He gave that to us. Yeah. Yeah, So that was the clearest I've ever heard from my body. Like my other births I heard from my body, but everything went so smooth. There wasn't any correction needed. Mm-hmm. But that was my first birth where I had to actually listen to, you need to do something different than what you're doing right now. And yeah. I was able to follow that. So that was mm-hmm. a really interesting experience. 
I don't really want a repeat of it because that was hard. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But sounds like it. He's so worth it. He's a mm-hmm. fun child. Stubborn yeah. little child, but fun. Mm-hmm. Um and then my fourth baby was actually conceived two months after a loss. We've only had one loss so far. Um, and that was really difficult. It was a very early loss. I wasn't even six weeks pregnant. Um, but it hit me really hard because it had taken about, it was the first time we ever actually had to try for an extended period of time. Um, all of our other babies were either, we're not really trying, but we're not really avoiding or we're actively not trying right now. Um, so she was, she was very, very intentionally conceived and then we lost her at six weeks and the only thing I could think about is like I I don't know what to do I I'm supposed to be pregnant I'm supposed to be pregnant and so we conceived our last two months after that and that need just calmed right down as soon as we figured we were pregnant I've always I've known I was pregnant every single time before I even took the test um my telltale sign is eggs. I love eggs. We have chickens. But when I'm pregnant, I cannot eat eggs. I cannot stand the smell of eggs. I cannot tan- stand the sight of eggs. So before I even pee on a stick, <laughs> if I don't like the look of eggs, I'm pregnant. Hmm. Um, so we, we got pregnant with her in the middle of July, which was a really rough season. We were actually physically separated because we were in the middle of a move. So while our house was selling and we were waiting for the contract to be signed, I was living with my parents and he was living with his mom because his mom lived closer to his work and she couldn't accommodate all of us. I mean, that's a huge task to accommodate dogs and cats and kids and all that during a move. So he lived with her and I lived all the way down in Charleston, like two hours away. And so we were only able to see each other about every other weekend. So when we conceived her, I mean, I knew exactly when we conceived her. I had a feeling that week, I'm like, I'm going to get pregnant. And so I was just waiting until I could test till the hormones would be high enough. And that was really exciting that I was actually with my parents when I found out I was pregnant. And I waited, which was really hard to wait until my husband got to come down the following weekend so I could tell them all at the same time. Um, but we ended up buying our dream property out here where we have a homestead now when I was around 20, 24 weeks pregnant, I think. And we lived in the RV all the way up until Christmas on our property while we got the house livable. Um, It was a very smooth pregnancy as far as the pregnancy was concerned. It was a very hard time and season in the life. Mm. So almost all my pregnancy issues were from the stress of just everything going on and moving around and selling our house and buying new land and then living as a family of five in an RV for six months. And then finally getting into our current home, um, it was just really dramatic. Mm -hmm. So her birth was actually really funny. I picked out her birthday um, 
as soon as I realized I was pregnant, I was like, she's going to be born this day. And for the first time in four babies, I was correct. <laughs> she was born that day. <laughs> um, I, I had been kind of, con- I had been contracting for seven or eight weeks at the end of her pregnancy, which Braxton Hicks, it was just a rough labor. I knew it wasn't actual labor where I wasn't making progress, but it was super frustrating. I got all the way to 41 weeks in three days with her as well. And the night before she was born, I was like, these are kind of picking up a little bit, but they usually pick up at night. So I'm going to send a message to my birth team, just telling them to make sure that their sound is on. Just don't come. It's it's fine, but don't go to sleep without making sure your volume's up. And so I sent that message sometime between 9 and 10 o'clock that previous night. Um, we had stuff we were supposed to do, so I was nesting and cleaning and trying to get stuff done. My mom was actually in town that weekend because she didn't want to miss the birth. And at that point, she's like, I might as well just stay until the baby comes. Like, you're already 41 weeks pregnant. (laughs) So she was up here already. And we had my whole birth team on standby around... Oh yeah, we had a we had a broody hen that night. One of our hens went broody. And I was like, babe, I don't think we checked her water. We need to go get, make sure she has water in her little pen because we isolated her with her clutch of eggs. And so I woke him up at two o'clock in the morning and was like, babe, we never checked Zazu's water. You need to go out to the barn and give Zazu water. I can't. I'm contracting right now. You gotta go do it. <laughs> so I sent him out, and he was all grouchy. He went and he made sure she had water, which she didn't. So I'm really glad that we sent him. And then came back in. He laid down, and he wasn't even asleep for three minutes before I was like, "That was a strong one. Time to get up." <laughs> so that poor man had less than an hour of sleep. Because I made him go check the chicken's water in the middle of the night. And I went to labor at 2-ish 30 in the morning is when I couldn't deny it anymore. I had been in labor for a few hours, but it wasn't intense until that point. So I started calling the birth team, had everyone had our way, got the birth photographer on her way, called my friends, woke everyone up. Um, I had a friend that had three kids. So I called her and I was like, I'm not, it's not right now, but you have three kids and you live 45 minutes away. So Hmm. be aware that things are happening (laughs) and you might want to think about at least packing a bag. (laughs) So, um, we got her on the way. My birth photographer showed up around three 30 ish or so. And, we just started getting everything ready. So for this birth was really special because it was our first birth on the farm. Um, I had actually acquired an old school baptismal because my birth pool had a hole in it and I didn't want to buy another one. So we got an old school church baptismal with steps in it and we put it in our barn with a camping hot water heater hooked up to the hose. So I had unlimited hot water which was glorious. 
<laughs> I had a huge baptismal with different levels of depth, so I could sit almost out of the water on the top step, or I could completely submerge my body up to my neck on the lowest step. It was great. Um, we had the whole barn cleared out. We made like a little pallet floor with subflooring over it. We had a hot, um, a wood burning fireplace in there and some couches in there. So it was a really cozy little area because the house we moved in just didn't have the space. It's a much smaller house than we were in before. So we, we just decided to birth in the barn and around Mm -hmm. four o'clock that morning, I was like, we need to get the pool set up because this is a lot of pressure. And I mean, I'm not pushing it, but it's pressure and I need to work on it. But we got in the pool. I had the camping hot water stove was propane powered. So I was able to have the hot water right there with a little hose, like a shower hose attachment. So I was able to pour my own water on my stomach, which was wonderful. I loved having that control over it and it never stops like the cup scooping it did. Um, We didn't have to worry about bucket heater or keeping the water in the pool an appropriate temperature because unlimited hot water. I had the fireplace going. Um, It was just a really chill, relaxing labor. I've never labored at night. Um, My first was born at 314. My second was at 829 p.m. So the sun had just set um, like an hour before. My third was at 1111 p.m. But Again, I still labored all day long, so it wasn't much into the night. But this one, I labored all night long. And so it was just so peaceful. And around 6 o'clock, or around 5, 5.30, everyone was there. It was like, this is, nothing's happening. <laughs> so my mom's like, hey, who wants coffee? And she took everyone into the house And started making coffee for my whole birth team. And it was just me and my husband out in the barn. But I looked down. I was like, what is that? I was like, something's floating in the pool. And I looked down. I was like, is it a leaf? Okay, let me just pick it up. I scooped it up. And it was actually my bloody show. It had stayed in a glob of mucus blood. And I was like, this is so cool. Kind of gross, but really cool. (laughs) And it stayed intact in the tub. Because I had never lost it in water before. All my other births, I, like, lost it on land, so it was pretty obvious. Mm -hmm. But I lost it in water that time. I was like, it's 6.06. Did I just... It was 6.06 when that happened. I remember that very clearly, because I asked Brandon what time it was so we could write it down. Brandon's my husband. And I was like, maybe I called everyone too early. Because I'm just now losing my mucus plug. Did I call everyone too early? Crap, I called everyone too early. We're going to be here all day long. I never have morning babies. Um, and then that was when things picked up, was right when everyone was inside and no one was out there. I guess my body was waiting for a little bit of extra peace. But mm. things really cranked up between 6.30 and 7.30. And around 7, it was... It was after 7.30. She was born at 7.50 in the morning. Um, but sometime between 7, 7.30, all my farms started waking up. So I could hear the goats screaming because I wasn't going out there to feed them. 
and the chickens started running around. At that point, we only had a small flock of six chickens that were free-range. The rest of them were contained. Well, all six of those chickens came, and were like, what are you doing in there and not feeding us? <laughs> so they came right up to the door and looked at me like, why are you... Why are you doing that? <laughs> Someone go because they're just going to stand there and screech at me until they're done. Um, my parents woke up the kids around, my mom woke up the kids around seven because I was like, things are happening. Things are turning. We need to get the kids wake, woken up. We had my three kids and then my friend's three kids. So I was like, and I was like, your kids can come out and see. I'm fine with that. That doesn't bother me. They had. They're, they're like my nieces and nephews. I adore them. I treat them as my own. So I was like, we need to wake up all the kids if they want to come. Don't force them. But if they want to come, let them come. Um, so they woke it up. Two of the kids decided to stay inside. But the other four came out and started asking a whole bunch of questions. I was like, someone else answer because I can't. Busy right here. Um, but that was when I started pushing. It was about 10 minutes after the kids came out. Um, all my kids came to say hi to me and they started coaching me and cheering me on, telling me I was doing a good job and they were so excited, which just the oxytocin rush of that alone really sped things up. <laughs> um, but I kept talking to her. I was like, I'm really ready to push. Why am I not pushing? Come on, baby. I'm ready to push. I need to push, but I don't want to push on top of like on my own power I want my body to start pushing so I can really get the full effect and when my body started pushing there was no stopping it I had to literally scream someone catch the baby I can't because I was in a position I reached down I was like I cannot physically reach in this position I won't be able to lift her out of the water I could touch her but I couldn't lift her out of the water and so I just threw myself forward. She rocketed out, and my mom was the one that got there first. So she actually caught her and pulled her out of the water. And the picture we have of her coming out of the water, she still had the bag over her head, the bag of waters. Wow. So my waters never broke with her. Um, well, they broke as she was being born, so it hadn't been mm -hmm. pulled back. But she just flew out. Once she she didn't want to come out, and then once she decided to come out, she's like, here I am. Boom. <laughs> and came rocketing out, which was really exciting. It's the first baby my mom caught. So she was really excited about that. She won't stop talking mm -hmm. about it. But it was just a really cool morning having the fire going and being in my barn and hearing the roosters crowing and hearing the goats bleeding and having all my kids around me, that was just so special. I love having my kids in the room when I'm birthing. Mm -hmm. So, but that postpartum was weird because I had to actually move from one location to the other. Yeah. So I had to get out of the birth pool and then they had a rocking chair set up still in the barn. But they had a rocking chair set up in front of the fireplace so I could warm up after drying off. And we hung out in the barn for maybe half an hour to an hour. Um, and then burnt the cord while we were in the barn sitting by the fireplace. We burnt the cord um, just like we did with my third. And then we just got to walk inside and oh, I hadn't even mentioned this. We have a 
running tradition of all of my births. Bradley Method teaches that orange juice is the best drink after birth to give you some carbs and energy. And I add a little bit of champagne. So mm-hmm. we have celebratory mimosas after my births. And so we got to pop the champagne bottle inside and everybody in the room got a mimosa. And that was just really special. It's the first time that everyone else got mimosas with me. Most of the time, people are like, no, I don't want one. But since it was breakfast and we had been up all night, everybody wanted a mimosa. (laughs) So that was just really fun as a community for everybody to come together. That's neat. Yeah. I love that you, her, I don't think I, I could never, I could never do it, but I love that you have that, like, you know, your birth parties. <laughs> I just, I think that's so yeah. cool. Um, yeah, I love it. Really neat. And I mean, I know it's yeah. not for everybody, but it is for some people. And mm-hmm. I, I would much prefer having people there than being all alone. Yeah. So yeah, it, yeah it's funny because yeah, I feel like my ideal birth would just like be me and my husband, just no one else. <laughs> like, sounds so dreamy yeah. to me. Uh, I know a lot of people that like that. Um, just not mm-hmm. having anyone in there, no midwives, yeah. no doulas, no nothing. They just want to be them and their partners. And I know some people that are just like, I don't even want my partner there, not because I don't yeah. love him or want them there. I just want it to be me and feel me, and that's yeah, totally fine. I like that too yeah yeah I know a lot of people that really want that to happen but they're not willing to voice it out much because they don't want to hurt anyone's feelings yeah it's like you're the one pushing out the baby I get it like I get both sides <laughs> yeah. of the argument but mm-hmm. you're the one that matters the most right now yeah so yeah. but yeah I love yeah. having a whole bunch of people at my births <laughs> It was by yeah, far sounds, my smallest birth. Fun. This last birth was my smallest birth as far as attendance. Just because I had hardly hired anyone. The only person I hired was a photographer. Mm-hmm. So, which she did wonderfully. Oh my goodness. She did such an amazing job. Mm, yeah, I love birth photography. <sighs> I've it's had my favorite. Um, two, yeah, two of my births. I, I, well, my first one, I had my sister do the photography. She was kind of just a, um, like amateur photographer. She, she, um, had like a small little business where she did like family pictures and stuff. She did a really good job, but, um, she was, I think 17 at the time. And so (laughs) it was kind of crazy for her, but, um, then my second birth I, I did, I hired like a actual birth photographer and it was amazing those pictures are so beautiful but then my third Mm -hmm. um was during COVID and I had a hospital birth so it was just me and my husband there um so we have like three little snapshots from the phone for his birth uh yeah yeah they're so special to have they are so knowing that you have those numbers yeah so what made you choose, I mean, it sounds like you had pretty good experiences with your midwives. So what made you choose to go wild and free after having those two assisted births? Um, part of it was just, I felt confident in myself because 
by the time my third birth was around, I had been teaching childbirth education for a few years. I started teaching right after my second was born. Um, so I had been teaching childbirth education for two to three years at that point, And I just felt really confident. I knew I was really in tune with my body based on those two births. I was able to communicate clearly. Um, my mom and my, my husband were a fantastic birth team. They did everything I needed physically and mentally and um, just everything that needed to happen happened. So I didn't need the medical side. I didn't feel like I needed the monitoring. I know I was really annoyed with the monitoring during my pregnancy or during my labors. I had one point, I think it was during my first that my midwife started getting antsy. She tried using the Doppler to find a heartbeat and she couldn't find his heartbeat. Couldn't find his heartbeat. She was like, I'm getting nervous. I can't find a heartbeat. I'm like, well, he's kicking. He's fine. She couldn't find a heartbeat. And I grabbed the Doppler out of her hand, the wand. And I was like, it's over here. And I shifted it over like six inches or so. And there was a heartbeat immediately. I'm like, you're just off. <laughs> mm. It's over here. Just back off of me because you're making me anxious <laughs> for no reason. Yeah. Which I get it. Like there wasn't a heartbeat. That's really concerning, but it was just the wrong mm -hmm. place. And I was aware enough that I knew that. And it was the same during my second. I felt like I didn't need, have any need to be monitored. And unfortunately, the legalities of it requires some level of monitoring or at mm -hmm. least them to constantly offer to monitor. I'm allowed to decline, but that's still the constant offering of, can I check you now? Can I do this? Can I do that? I'm like, no, <laughs> leave <Yeah>. me alone. <laughs> so while I love my yeah. midwives and they're fantastic women, I did not like how their hands were tied via state regulations. And so I chose to forego that completely, not yeah. because of anything wrong with their personality, but because the crap that the government requires just drove me nuts. Yeah. So that makes sense. And, and then after my, mentioned... second, my third was born. Hmm? Oh, I was just, you can finish what you're saying and then I'll ask. Oh, I was saying after my third was born, I couldn't see going any other way with any other babies. Yeah. Yeah. And you had mentioned with your first birth that your husband liked the idea that your midwife was a nurse. So he must've had some kind of, you know, that comfortability with that kind of medical mm -hmm. knowledge background type thing. So how did he come over to the side of, um, being cool <laughs> with, you know, the whole, My you know, nothing. My mother-in-law <laughs> is very medically minded. Like my, my husband's entire family is highly medically minded to the point of, we have not seen them since COVID started. We've seen his mom, Aww. but we haven't seen the rest of his family since COVID started. Um, they're yeah. that strict on everything. Yeah. So <laughs> he was raised in that mindset of, Oh, mm -hmm. I don't want to get a cold, so let's take cold medicine all during cold season so I don't catch a cold. So he was very, very medically minded. Um, I was very medically minded with the exception of home birth. I thought, like, doctors are right. They have training. When it's an emergency, like, you just listen and do what they say. Um, until I got pregnant 
And then I learned all these things. And I'm like, well, that doesn't necessarily apply to birth or non-emergency situations. And mm-hmm. like, there's, there's a lot of extra layers. It's not just a black and white, you shut up and do what you say. There's, there's different variations within that. Um, yeah. I started researching natural childbirth and that led down the rabbit hole to natural pl- parenting and I read some comments and I was like y'all are stupid why would you say something like that so I dug into research about natural parenting choices and in my research to prove them wrong I proved myself wrong on a lot of the parenting options that I planned on choosing and so I was very grateful that I went down that rabbit hole when I was pregnant with my first And it was not an easy conversation with my husband because he was in the same place as I was a month before I started that research of, yeah, this is just what you do and you do it all the time because we all did and we were fine. So we, we brought up all the different things that I was like, well, I kind of want to decline this and I want to decline that and I want to decline this and I don't want to do any of these. And are you okay with that? He's like, uh, no. No, I'm not. So I just started sending him research every time I found something. I bet, oh, this is a cool article. You should read this. Oh, this is a cool article. You should read this. And slowly but surely, he, he kind of came around. Um, honestly, our hardest topic of discussion was circumcision because we went to the biblical aspect and I didn't want to. Um, so I sent him a whole bunch of research on that and he really dug into the research and saw through the lies of the medical industry and where that came from. So he listened. That was the biggest thing is mm-hmm. he listened because neither of us knew to research until someone brought up the topic to me. And then I brought up the topic to him and I was like, we're going to dig into this because we want what's best for our baby. And what if the normal isn't what's best for our babies? Mm-hmm. Like, if it is, we'll research and we'll find out, oh, yeah, that's definitely best. But we're going to dig into it and see if it actually is. So we decline most of what parents choose to do for their children. Pretty much everything medical. Our children haven't needed any of it um, unless there was an emergency, like a broken arm or illness or something. Then obviously we sought medical care. But all the preventative stuff, no. No. None of my kids ever needed it. Um, Mm -hmm. And then as far as home birth is concerned, just catching that first baby, that's all I needed. (laughs) He, he kind of agreed to the home birth. He was like, well, I mean, she's got, she's got medical training. So that's good. That makes me feel more comfortable, but like it's your birth and you know what makes you feel comfortable. And I don't want you to give birth where you don't feel comfortable. So we'll do this. And so he talked to the midwives and then my midwife immediately released a whole lot of fears when he's like, Oh, she isn't some crazy old lady that focuses on herbs and crystals and nothing else. Like it's not just (laughs) voodoo. She actually knows what she's talking about. So once we started interviewing midwives, he's like, Oh, it's not like the old witch doctors of the ancient tribes. No, they're, mm-hmm. they're medical professionals. It's okay. Yeah. And that, yeah. that really eased him into it. And by the third baby, when I was like, I don't think I want to hire a midwife. He's like, but why we've used a midwife and we liked them. I was like, I know, but I don't think I want to this time. 
And he was really concerned about it. But about a week after I told him that, he's like, you know what? I trust you. I trust your body. We've done it before. We're good. Mm. We're fine. We don't need anything. So (laughs) really, he just listens. (laughs) Yeah, he he listens and we work own. through logic and research and trust and intuition and it's all worked out. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah, so I have one more question regarding free birth. Um, <laughs> actually preparing for your um, free births. Did you do any sort of like um, preparation work as far as like, if this happens, we'll do this or X, Y, Z, or did you just kind of, go with the flow and wing it and figure if something happened, you'd knew what to do in the moment or what did that look like for you? So a lot of that was just through my, my years of teaching childbirth education. So I know that doesn't apply to most of the population, but I teach childbirth education and I do teach like free birth, home birth, but I also teach the other side. I teach hospital birth education as well. So I can guide people through all these interventions. I know what the doctors do. I'm not medically trained to do it myself, but I know what needs to be done. Um, Mm -hmm. So that helped me a lot. Just knowing like, I know the different things to do in the events of a breach. I know all the things that need to be do in case of shoulder dystocia. I know what to do to resuscitate the baby. Like, no, I don't have medical training or experience, but I have the head knowledge. So I'm not starting from nothing. And then I did have a cheat sheet for my mother and my husband where I was like, these are like the five warning signs. If you see something like this and I don't register it, or if I am unable, like I'm just too toned out or I lose consciousness, like these are the reasons that an ambulance can be called. Mm -hmm. So here's your flags. And other than these flags, if I don't say call, don't call. Yeah. But if I say call, regardless of the flags you call, Mm -hmm. just because I'm going to trust my instincts. If my instincts say you need to go, I'm going to go. And I've never felt Mm -hmm. that before. I've never had to experience that, thankfully. But yeah, I did have a small cheat sheet. It wasn't much. It was big emergencies. Like if there's a cord prolapse or there's a weird breach, um, like a footling, feetling breach or we found out baby was transverse or shoulder dystocia, like really big stuff. It wasn't anything small. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Cool. Well, do you have but, anything else from, you know, that fourth birth or any of your other experiences that you want to share or you? I can't think of everything. anything else. I've really enjoyed talking about them. It's been a while since I've talked <laughs> about my earliest birth. Yeah. So this is really fun. I enjoyed it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so now you are, well, you have been, obviously you're a birth worker. So what all do you do um, as far as that goes, like your actual birth business and, and how you serve women? So I've been a childbirth educator for going on six years now. And that's my primary role. That's my biggest passion is just teaching women about their bodies, what's normal, what's not normal, how to tune in and just figure out the navigation through pregnancy and birth. That's my biggest mm-hmm. passion. I have just recently in the last couple of years started offering birth attendance. 
Um, so I will attend births. I do birth photography. Um, I've been doing placenta encapsulation for a few years now. So that's always really fun. Placentas fascinate me. I love doing a full, <laughs> a full scan of them. And I send every mom that hires me, I actually send a whole paperwork telling them about their placenta with pictures and all. Um, mm -hmm. But I do, yeah, placentas, birth attendance, birth photography, and childbirth education are the biggest things. I also offer belly art, like henna and painting. Um, and then I can offer maternity sessions or newborn sessions. I usually don't offer those outside of my clientele. But mm -hmm. for anyone that hires me, I can do the full package of photography. Yeah. But... Cool. Yeah. You sound Education like who I want to be when I grow up. <laughs> uh. Uh, yeah. So, um, one thing, one thing I always ask, um, at the end to kind of close things out is, um, if there was one thing that you could tell a first time mom, um, who's just starting out her, her journey to, to motherhood and, you know, pregnancy, birth, um, but more specifically, you know, birth, what's one thing that you feel like is a must for her to know, um, as she's going into this experience? Number one is educate yourself and whoever is going to be on your team. Do not only educate yourself because you are not the only one that's going to be there as support. And it's really hard to speak up for yourself in labor. Not everyone can. So also educate whoever's coming with you. Could be a partner, could be a mom, could be a sister, could be a doula. Doulas mostly are educated on their own, but have that education so you know what is normal and you know what is wrong. Um, yeah. Just because fear is a normal part of birth and fear does not necessarily mean that something's wrong. So you don't want to make choices based on just fear. Um, but yeah, education, take a childbirth education class, preferably one that actually focuses on physiological, normal birth. Mm -hmm. Don't take the hospital birth class. That is not physiological birth. That is how to be a good birth patient. Yep. It's useful <laughs> if you're having a hospital birth, but the entire purpose of a hospital birth class is to teach you how to be a good patient. It's not to teach you how to give birth. Um, mm -hmm. Still useful, but do something on the side <laughs> that yeah, focuses that's... on all the different stages of birth, what's normal, what's not. Here's the interventions. Here's the pros and cons of everything because there is a pro and a con to every single intervention. All of them have a time and a place. None of them are necessary unless there is a medical issue. Um, so yeah, that's my biggest, my biggest thing is just educate you can educate yourself. It's kind of hard to find all the information because there's so much information. So I would recommend actually hiring an educator. Doesn't really matter who it is as long as they focus on the physiological birth, not medicalized birth. Mm -hmm. Yep. I 100% agree with that. <laughs> awesome. So if um, somebody wants to get in touch with you or find your services, um, how could they get in touch with you and where could they find all that information? Yeah. So my website is archeressbirthkeeping.com. Archeress as in archery, birthkeeping.com. I prefer birthkeeper over doula. And that's just 
how I like to label myself because it just feels more intimate. Yeah. Cool. Um, but yeah, thank you so much for coming on and sharing your stories and, you know, your little tidbits of wisdom throughout there. Um, yeah, I just really appreciated, you know, hearing your journeys and yeah, it was fun. <laughs> I'm really glad you, you reached out to me. This was a lot of fun. Thank you so much for listening. I hope that you were encouraged in some way through this story. As a reminder, please rate and review our podcast and you can connect with us on social media at Birth Journeys Podcast. For more information or to share your own story, please visit birthjourneyspodcast.com and fill out the brief questionnaire. See you next time.